This is Returns on Wellbeing Institute podcast. We bring you the latest and best strategies, tactics, and information to help employers boost their bottom lines by investing in healthy and engaged workforces that deliver real ROI. Welcome to today's program. I'm Stephen Van Yoder. And I'm Jim Purcell, and we're the co-founders of the Returns on Wellbeing Institute. Welcome to today's podcast. Carl Simons is the former Chief Health, Safety, and Wellbeing Officer at Thames Water Company, the UK's largest water and wastewater utility company, supplying 15 million customers. Thames Water is widely recognized as an employer that's implemented meaningful changes in its workplace culture to support employees' mental health and well-being. Carl has not only spearheaded a mental health revolution at Thames Water, he's also been a leader in lobbying the UK government to change how mental health is viewed in the workplace. Carl has received a number of awards and was recently named on the Queen's New Year's Honours list to receive the Order of the British Empire for his services to mental health policy. The OBE, as it's called, is the second highest award that his nation gives. Carl will discuss how we became an advocate for mental health, how Thames Water's mental health program helped it lower operating costs and boost employee well-being, and how employers everywhere can destigmatize mental health issues, provide better mental health support, and ensure needed mental health interventions. Carl, thank you for being with us today. Thank you very much. I'm really humbled to be invited. So first, tell us a bit about Thames Water Company. You know, you started down the path of employee uh, mental health soon after you arrived in 2012. Take us, uh, take us through that. Thames, as you rightly said, is the largest provider of water and wastewater services across the the United Kingdom. Um, the water industry as a sector has a, a very rich history in terms of bouncing from public to privatized, um, but. I guess the the ability to provide, you know, we've got 15 million customers, um, which is a quarter of the UK's population, to serve on a daily basis. Um, in terms of the employees and the contracting organisations that serve those those members of the public, the it, there was very much a need to make sure that we have physical and psychological health management very well taken care of. In any major organization, you have to take that seriously. When you first were retained by uh, Thames Water Company, was it primarily for safety in accidents and then did it morph to mental health? How did that work? For many years uh, during my career, I started as a mechanical and electrical engineer in the military. I spent 13 years and um, Within that, I, I you know, experienced uh, mental health issues firsthand, but um, the, my whole career is, after that has been dedicated to the preservation of life. And in doing that, that involves both safety from a physical injury perspective and health from a psychological and physical perspective. And well-being has come into that. It wasn't just moving into Thames, uh, but certainly Thames as, I suppose, catapulted um, itself into the, the limelight of organizations doing things very well as a result of a great physical and mental health program that was put in place. What's the connection in your mind between an employee's mental well-being and business outcomes? We're only as good as the people we employ. 
when you look at those people you employ, it's not just your employees. I look at it in the view of both the employees and the contracting organizations that work for and on our behalf. Put it in place a holistic strategy that bound everybody towards a common outcome, which is the prevention of harm, yeah? Um, is, is massively important. And you can't differentiate, Jim, between uh, physical and psychological health and prevention of harm, uh, both with prevention of injuries or prevention of illness. To prevent injuries, you need to have the safety element racked up and you need to have good safety management controls in place and good compliance. You can't differentiate between injuries and illness as you can safety and health. Having somebody in the right frame of mind to do the job that there's in front of them that could be a safety critical job is massively important. So your psychological health management program needs to support how you get that employee in the right frame of mind to enable them to do the job safely. As you progressed from 2012 up to when you left, did you notice any improvement in business outcomes such as employee engagement, reduction of injuries, reduction of absenteeism, turnover, those sorts of things. I often get asked the return on investment uh, case for mental health and well-being. And the start with, let's not confuse, um, you know, cost with uh, cost with budget and influence. Um, I think the outcomes that we saw um, are massively important to me. And the first thing is the reduction in harm around illness. So we saw an 80% reduction in illness. That's work-induced hmm. illness from individuals who were uh, not off as a result of their work and employment. And equally, we saw a 78% reduction in injuries. And, and these are incredible stats. That was over a five-year period from putting in place the physical and psychological health strategy. When you talk about return on investment, always start with the people end and what are the outcomes in terms of the individuals. When you start to look at the harder, more productivity gains and um, the actual financial gains that you get, um, those are in there as well in terms of you're reducing... if. People, if there's less people being off work as a result of illness or injury, then ultimately you are going to get productivity gains because it's not just the individual savings of somebody being in the workplace. When somebody's off, it affects the team massively as well. So the wider team impact can be absolutely colossal when you work it out off a large organization. There were some great studies done by Deloitte um, when I worked with um, on the, the Prime Minister's report through the Thriving at Work document. They said that for every individual that was off work as a result of mental health, it was circa £1,500 on average. Um, my, my personal view is I saw it was a lot higher than that in terms of where you have injuries and people generally come back after a few days absence. People going off as a result of psychological stresses and then so many organisations weren't actually putting in place uh, steps. Uh, you've got a moral and legal obligation to take measures that prevent an employee coming back and experiencing the same um, environment. You know, there's so many benefits to putting in place an active program that prevents harm. Where did stigma fit into your, I guess I'll call it your epiphany, that uh, early in your days that this was very meaningful and very connected to the business outcomes, costs and, and outcomes, actually, potential outcomes that you were talking about a minute ago? I think the ability to create a culture of care will stand any organization in a very strong position to be able to embrace its employees and have better productivity outcomes and gains. 
But in terms of how you go about that to bust that stigma, the first thing is you need to get your followers. One in three to one in four individuals uh, throughout their lifetime will be will suffer a, a mental health issue. Yeah. Now it may be not be a diagnosed mental health illness, but ultimately that could mm -hmm. lead that could manifest in many different ways from high levels of stress, you know, um, bereavement, divorce, lots of things that can trigger that. So the ability we put in place a lot of different initiatives that were trialed to promote the right visibility and uh, messaging around mental health and well-being in the workplace. And the things that helped, right, <clears throat> nowadays, if you think about it, um, sports personalities, celebrities, royals are all speaking openly about their mental health. That, too, is affecting society about speaking more openly about their mental health and well-being. Um, right. Society's in business, so organizations have got to start taking this seriously if they're not already. Now, the early days when I was putting in place a proactive program around this that started to influence the company, we didn't have so much of that, people speaking openly about it. So what started in the early days was those who were able to, I was able to capture illustrative stories of people who were doing um, well around well-being of their teams. And I started to promote that through the different media and communication channels in the business. People got very proud of that. So you started to switch from it being a, a taboo subject that nobody wanted to talk about to something that we were patting people on the back saying, hey, well done. You know, mm -hmm. you talked about the, the stresses you, that were on the team as a result of that budget round you've just gone through. That was really powerful. And then we got the leadership end starting to talk to it. You, you mentioned about Thames Water creating a culture where employees' mental health is important as their physical health. You talked about communication. You talked about leaders stepping up and telling their stories. How else How else did you do that? When you talk about culture, it's very closely linked to behavior. So people often don't really understand what we mean by culture. And culture's attitude, mm -hmm. yeah, it's hidden. You can't see it. But you can see the behaviors that manifest as a result of culture. So because it's external, that's why we say things like behavioral safety is a buzzword in the UK. And really what it means is external. You can see it, you can step in, you can act. Um, one of the things that leads to that is competency. What we did was we produced a half day mind fit awareness course that we put all our employees through. And then we started to look at those who wanted to go on and become mental health first aiders, which is a program in the UK at the minute where people will have a little bit more information. I'm a mental health first aider. And it means you can provide pathways to individuals that may be struggling or may come forward in the team. And the idea is if you can get one in 10 in a company, then pretty much you've built mental health role modeling and ambassadorship inside each of the teams. It really gives people knowledge, but in truth, it gives them the confidence to have a conversation around mental health. Let's talk about some of the actual programs that you put in place that made this possible. I've said for many years, it's not the psychological condition that prevents a person thriving at work. It's the environment in which they are placed. One of the first things that we put in place um, that was very active was making sure that we had a strategy which was called time to talk that evolved. A lot of people get confused by strategy. The way I view it is I make sure that everything's in it that we already do. To anybody new coming into the organization, it has all the things in it that you already do. So this is the way we work around you. Because all too often, people in an organization forget that all these things you put in place are still there to help them, support them. 
social media, um, why do things differently in an organization than people do in their natural daily lives? So using social media in business is a good thing. So we embraced and adopted a program called Yammer. The reason is that it has likes on it. So people upload posts like you do on Facebook or Instagram, and then people like it. Now people like likes. So, uh, but the thing is with uh, social media and business, there's a sort of social etiquette that people, all the haters aren't there. So people found, I used it as a self-esteem tool that individuals were posting stuff. Everybody was liking it and saying, well done. It makes people feel better about going mm -hmm. to work because the colleagues, they get a boost. Yeah. So it's no different than the social media environment externally. If you get that working for you, it works really well. And then what I did was able to put together uh, the mental health public um, uh, chat line in it. So everybody started diving in on that. And I was able to populate it with my team and everybody started sharing stories. As we had mental health first aiders, I had 500 of them across the company and they were all in a closed chat line. So I was able to push messages now to the front line directly to engage with the teams. So we started regularly communicating with individuals who were ambassadors across each of those teams. And they were able to share stories, um, you know, and, and, and those sorts of things worked really well. We're fortunate that one good thing that came out of the COVID situation last year is that people are much more aware that mental health issues are real. They're universal. Yeah. We all have mental health. Uh, now the question is, what do we do about it? Yeah, I love the fact that you said that. Um, we all have mental health the same way we all have physical health. We produce videos every quarter. You've got to drip feed the messaging in, right? There's no one single bullet, silver bullet that will lead to a mental health revolution within your company. Year on year, I got together with the team and different teams within the company at a series of workshops that led to, here's the 20 initiatives we're going to have a go at this year. And we took some risks, you know, not everything works out, mm -hmm. but you've got to have a go. And a lot of things do land. We built the health and well-being maturity model that's available on the health and safety hub that deals with the kpis and we call them hpis yeah health performance indicators dealing with a model from infancy to integrated standard maturity model and the differences for every box that has a statement in it there's a series of five questions behind it and the reason i built it was to wrap it into the procurement contracts as well for future organizations that were going to work for us because then i was able to vet them and actually have a look at what they were doing when I invited the organizations in under competitive tender for interview, I was able to talk to them about, hey, your health and well-being maturity model has been filled in. Talk to me about that. Where are you at? So if they handed it to somebody else to fill in and they didn't have the answers, we soon found out. What we're after is progressive organizations not being afraid to say, hey, we know where we're at and here's what we're doing to get better. Why don't you tell us a little bit what you did to rope in line managers on mental health? Uh, anybody in a position of authority and responsibility over others cannot be underestimated in this subject. The importance of that line manager being able to say thanks, well done on a regular basis um, without feeling that suddenly they're not manly in doing that. You know, so we tackle quite hard the, um, the male uh, workforce line management. Um, you mean, because we found that there was certainly a higher number of males that didn't, you know, feel okay with saying, hey, um, well done, congratulations, pat on the back. So we started to influence the culture around that by saying it's all right. And you do that through a leadership perspective. But I think sharing illustrative stories from those line managers worked very, very well, people in a position of authority. And then we would jump on it and say, that's fantastic. Did he hear what such and such did? 
um, you know, with their team, great. So you have that encouragement model. For the line managers upskilling, um, I talked about the MindFit Awareness course. Um, we wrapped the line managers into that. Some managers did it with their teams even. You know, um, that was really open and progressive line managers, right. but a lot went on it and just, you know, shared their own experiences. Because what I found great on those courses is people dropped the, um, you know, the pretense of the corporate veil and actually started to speak like a human being that, hey, I have these issues and struggles and, yeah, you know, yeah. these challenges in my own personal life. And we also talked to them about, you know, this business of leave your home at home and your work at work. If coronavirus has taught us anything is that um, that's very difficult to do when you're working at home. Right. Yeah. But even for those who were out in the field, it's understanding that, you know, people can't just suddenly put on a corporate veil and leave all the problems and stresses and issues behind them. And you mentioned um, empathy there. Empathy is our ability to understand. Yeah, empathy is so, so important in our strategy. You were fortunate to have enthusiastic leadership support, particularly your CEO. How did that help? Having a CEO that, first of all, is willing to learn and understand um, how their role in this can help. Um, but then not being afraid to have that conversation around the executive table to start off. The CEO was very open to listening to initiatives that were, that were that I was putting on the table to tackle the risk areas. So, you know, for instance, we introduced personal medical assessments for everyone in the company, a 30 minute face to face medical um, for anybody. And, and how do we get to that? The conversation around the executive table, you know, when we all have our Bupa annual medical assessments. Um, is that because we're more important than the receptionist downstairs or the site fit, fitter out on the site? Well, of course we're not. So why wouldn't we give everybody access mm. to the same condition medical? Um, and so it was born. And when you start putting it into terms like that and you start explaining the need through telling stories of why we should do things, the human reaction is, is always one of wanting to do the right thing. Um, and then secondly is the return on investment discussion helps with the CFO being able to make the numbers work. Uh, how would you advise HR executives on how to get more support from their CEOs? So relationships are everything, Jim. And I find that in business, people generally shy away from the conversation of stuff that they are not comfortable talking about. Mm -hmm. um, one is the perseverance angle is really, really important. The second coming at it from a guise of just having a conversation. And it doesn't need uh, the worst place to have that conversation is in the executive room unless you are have already done the work outside in the corridors. Yep. And having those one to ones and the coffees with the chief exec that say, here's what I'm thinking. How do you feel about this? Um, the way I run it in business is for every thousand employees, I have one internal um, uh, occupational health professional. And then you can have a bias around physical or psychological health within your team. Um, so I had 6,000 employees direct, and then there was tens of thousands of contractors, but I had six occupational health team and a doctor within my team. That allows me to be able to balance that and support the employees in the right way. Um, so that, that's just my rule of thumb for how I work within major organizations. But yeah, it does take time, and not everybody's in, a, in the same place. Yeah, Some CEOs have experienced it. Um, mental health first time, first hand stresses, anxieties, etc., with modern day life or within business. So if they haven't experienced it, you may find they might not want to talk about it. Um, and the reality is 
just keep having that conversation. What is your sort of broad brush advice or, or, or maybe to get people thinking about how to connect this uh, it's not just being an inherently good human thing to do, but this is really good for business too. Progressive organizations and progressive clients nowadays are asking the questions of organizations that work for and on their behalf. What are you doing around your physical and psychological health and well-being program? Mm -hmm. And I think that's brilliant. So if you're, wrap, if you're as a client, you have the opportunity to wrap this into your procurement contracts. And so that's in front of the estimators and the contracting operations directors who are bidding for work to come and work with you. You're setting the tone, right? So don't underestimate that. Um, uh, I have a suite of essential standards that we developed within Thames Water. Um, and one of them was called health and well-being. And that was wrapped into the procurement contracts as a legal obligation for any contractor working for on our behalf. And we had four and a half thousand supply chain organizations, but they all had to comply with those standards. And it had the expectations of the company within that. So that that's massively important in terms of, you know, because so many organizations employ other companies. So you're setting the right tone for those that work for and on your behalf. When your employees then see that, that that's what your expectation is, they, they should be demanding the same within the company for themselves. But good organizations look at their employee workforce as a value to themselves not as an expendable item that uh, another statistic, you know, and, and I think with that, with that in mind, you can really um, start to uh, put in place initiatives that really do support the workforce. We work very well with our trade union partners um, the trade union representatives that I worked with at the senior level that of all the initiatives we developed together to push on to the employees, they saw value in it and Therefore, they became ambassadors. They all went on the mental health um, first aiders course. They all I mean, were involved in the competency upskilling programs. You know, so the workforce became so much more um, proud of working for the company. And where are your workforce? For us in Thames, they're our frontline operatives that are facing off to our customers who pay the bills. Mm -hmm. So if you've got them feeling really proud and privileged to work for the, a company like Thames Water, ultimately that's going to resonate in how they deal with sure. and how they interact with the customers. Yeah, for all the great things you did at Thames Water, you've you've moved on and you've taken a, a, a new career. Why don't you tell us briefly what you're doing today? Oh, man. So I'm in a tech, tech company now. Um, and it's brilliant because I continue to uh, deal with my uh, passion around mental health and well-being. So the company's called Field. It's a uh, it's been in uh, startup land for for a year now. I recently joined because I was blown away by the product. We provide a point of work risk assessment and fatigue management solution to employers and everyone I've presented to the solution so far is uh, moving towards uh, trials with us. So that's Good. progressing really well. And uh, the big thing is we're removing the frustrations of risk assessment um, uh, from organizations through using artificial intelligence and predictive analytics to drive health and safety outcomes. So if you're if you're interested in this, um, how AI is now influencing health and safety, it is incredible. Carl, if somebody needed to contact you, how would they contact you? My my profile's on LinkedIn. Just type in Carl Simons. What's your call to action for employers everywhere about approaching mental health as a business priority? I think the biggest thing for me is don't wait and don't ignore it. 
you know there is lots and lots of information out there and if you take the time to just a little bit of time to understand the need for mental health and well-being in business then you will gain amazing outcomes for your staff and all those who work for and on your behalf carl right. thank you very much this is terrific wish you all the best luck in your new endeavor you've been listening to returns on well-being institute podcast to learn more about our resources and programs that help employers make employee well-being a bottom-line business strategy, please visit www.returnsonwellbeing.com.